Welcome back, or if it's your first time, I'm glad to have you here. I'm Matt Fendora, and you're tuned in to the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, where we journey together toward becoming the best version of ourselves. Using mind, body, heart, and spirit as the anchors of our podcast, join me as we set sail into the depths of self-discovery, unraveling the interconnected layers that shape our growth. If you resonate with today's conversation, consider subscribing to the podcast. Your support means the world to us and ensures you never miss an empowering episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, the podcast all about being the best version of yourself through mind, body, heart, and spirit. Today, I'm here with Nick Krantz. Nick Krantz is a husband, a father to three boys, a nutrition coach and personal trainer, two-time traumatic brain injury survivor, and 18-time concussion champ. He started an online training nutrition coaching business in 2019 until his second TBI in December of 2019, where he was forced to fight to heal and continue his coaching business. Now, after three and a half years, all conditions are in remission and has returned to performance coaching in full force. Some of Nick's proudest accomplishments include married the love of his life, father to three boys, being a collegiate student athlete while being a young father, and starting a business helping over 400 men and women radically transform their mind and body. What makes Nick's heart sing? 100% without a doubt, his family. Without further ado, here's Nick. How are you doing today, Nick? That was beautiful, man. Thanks, Matt. I'm, I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Excited to learn someone with your unique history. Um, that's something that I I don't think I've ever experienced, hopefully. Um, but I'm very curious in learning more about that and how we can help prevent that or just work through it if we do have it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. my my first question is, what happened that created these TBIs and what what was that journey like? Yeah, so you know, my first instance with this whole C word at the time, I I couldn't even say the word concussion because I just I just didn't want to. Um, but you know, going into playing college football, and this was this was two thousand and like, let's see, I started in two thousand nine, but two thousand ten is when they really started to do this like concussion tests and stuff, and it started to be more prevalent. And so when they would come in and talk to us about concussions, it would be these you know, sorry to say, like just our overweight trainers that would try and tell us about the uh, impacts of head injuries. And we just kind of shut them off. Like, yeah, whatever. Like we've all had our quote unquote bell rung. And, you know, the first time I ever experienced something that was different was in practice. It was a Tuesday and I was, you know, it was getting ready. Practice was getting ready to wrap up. And we had a road trip that was 14 hours up North into the upper peninsula of Michigan. So we're getting ready to leave. And, you know, the, we're with the, the scout team was going. So it was a freshman and, you know, I was just back there and he caught the ball, the whistle blew, but he kept running at me. So I'm like, Oh, so I just put my head down, hit me in the crown of the helmet and he kind of just fell over. So I just absorbed that all with like my neck, head and my, my body. And I'm like, going to the side. I'm like, yo, I see purple. And they're like, they're like, no man, crash. You good. You good. So I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'm good. So, you know, we go on this 14 hour bus trip and the whole time I'm, I'm going, I just feel like, you know, my phone being like on 10%, but I'm like, why, why can I not get excited? I feel like I'm just like a shell myself. I'm just like, I feel like, you know, kind of how I experienced now is like living life in the third person. Like it was just very slow. And so we walk into this game two days later um, and it's just, I just, I can't get excited. And um, they, there was play receiver came across the middle and like end of the first quarter. And I just, you know, I, I was, taught to hit because I played safety taught to hit with intent and to hurt. Like you just try and lay everybody out. That's just how I play. I played angry. Um, probably just because of my growing up, that was my outlet to really get it all out on the football field. And uh, as soon as I hit the kid, I went to get up to celebrate and I immediately felt like I was not in control of my body. I got right back up. Uh, the very next play, I went to hit the running back, which is one-on-one right in the gap, head to head, bang, came down. And my buddy said, looking back, he's like, I want to go smack your head to say, let's go. And your face was like full of boogers and you look cross-eyed and we laugh about it now, but I'm like, dang, no, nobody want to tell me, but I still, I stayed in. And then the, the, the last play of the drive, as they scored a touchdown, you see me just collapse to the left, but I, I just got right back up and just kind of stumbled to the sideline. Um, and that was, 
like, you know, they call it second impact syndrome because you have one concussion and then you don't rest, recover and get better. And you go in, you know, this was 48 hours later and I had another three major hits to my head immediately spiking all types of just toxins and awful justness uh, running rampant throughout my body. And so that was about a 10 month recovery. Um, and that was the first TBI that really started it. And so the more you have, the more susceptible you become. So up until college, um, cause I did try and play again after that. I didn't, I didn't even make it to the practice field cause, uh, or I mean to another game because I just couldn't make it out of practice. Um, my, my brain was in bad shape and being a young father, I decided that it was time to hang them up. I can't play football forever. And I ended up being a coach. So that was, you know, kind of bittersweet uh, when it comes to that, but that's really what started it uh, in college. One TBI, seven concussions was my first track mark in from 2010 to 2012. What was that process like that 10, 10 month recovery process? So it was a lot of back and forth going to, oh, it's not even downtown, but it's a little past near Cleveland. Um, lots of tests, lots of written tests, lots of verbal tests, lots of memory tests, um, lots of, you know, scans. And, you know, at the time it was just all these different tests. And I just, I, every time I take these, you know, memorize this word, these shapes, do this, do that. I would leave these places feeling like I was like, like I just ran, I don't know, uh, like 14 marathons in a row. My body had felt so drained and I kept failing. And so I just, you know, at the time I was just like, things just weren't progressing. I couldn't get things going. Um, and I kept trying to bounce back, bounce back, pass the test so I could prove it. And it finally took me 10 months later to finally pass the test to get back to practice, which was a, a week before the season end. And they're like, no, we're not going to, you're not going to obviously not going to play. Um, let's just try and get healthy for next year. Um, but at the time, like I said, it was so downplayed and, um, it was all just like, yo, let's get you back. Let's get you back. And of course, at the same time, me and everybody are like, yeah, dude, I want to get back and play football. Cause that's all you think, you know, you're just there to, this game's going to go forever. My health, I'll get healthy again. Like you think so finite, but at the same time, being a young father, it was like, you know, I had, I needed somebody to pull me in and be like, yo, you need to reevaluate kind of what's going on. Um, but you know, really just that, that long process at that time with recovery was just a lot of tests, a lot of travel, a lot of just a lot of failing at the time when it came to just trying to pass these tests. But, um, you know, it said it took me 10 months to even make it back. Uh, and I finally did. How long after that recovery, that 10 month recovery process, did the next concussion or the next TBI happen? So the next TBI didn't happen until 2019. So the next concussion though happened uh, the following uh, April because we started, um, we do spring ball. So in college you do like a, a spring session of like 20 so practices. And it was literally just like a normal tackling drill. And I just, I felt something in my neck and I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. And it was literally something small. And it, you know, now looking back, I'm like, man, I'm glad it happened there rather than a full speed practice. And I hit somebody where it's even a bigger collision. Um, and so at the time I was actually working at a juvenile jail also. So I actually, you know, this was probably a couple of weeks later. I went, cause we, we were going to tell the trainer that like, no, I'm fine. I'm just resting. And I'm not playing. So basically I was, I was literally hiding this one and just going to say, forget spring ball and we'll just rest up for the season. So I started working at this juvenile jail and um, I ended up having to tackle a kid, but at the same time, I'm used to tackling, you know, I say kid, he was 18 at the time. I'm used, I, you know, I'm tackling, used to tackling 200 pound plus grown men and so this kid was like you know maybe a buck 30 and so he was running down the hallway and i literally just like beelined to catch him and as i went to tackle him i you know lifted him up scooped him up and i hit my head into the brick wall that was on the side Ooh. and kind of like blacked it out for a period and then i kind of like came to again as like we were you know cuffing shackling him to get him to where he needed to be but that was the one that ended my career so it said it wasn't even on a football field but you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. It happened there. And um, at that point, you know, I was able to kind of reevaluate. And then I started like, all right, we have a spot for you. So I started coaching the DBs and linebackers um, the following year. But uh, that's when I was like, I was always injured anyway. So I was always known as Coach Krantz, Coach Nick. <laughs> so it, it only it only fit right. Um, 
but yeah, that was the one that officially ended it. So then what happened with the second TBI? Cause that, that recovery process lasted a lot longer. Yeah. That one is something I, I never thought I'd go through or it would last as long as it did. Um, so December 7, 2019, we're just going to get our Christmas tree. Um, and, uh, just normal thing, you know, I'm going, getting it tied up on the, on the hood. Um, and my wife asked me to come help her in the back. So I get out and I start running and I didn't see the Jeep trunk, um, in the slim part of it. It just, it just, I literally just like severed the top of my head, right, right in the top of the skull. And well, I keep, I had this feeling that I just kept coming over the years. It was like in space jam when like literally just like the soul was sucked out of you. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, I, I knew that hit was hard because it was the only time I ever threw up from a head injury, but I didn't go to the doctor right away. Cause I'm like, I'll be okay. Like I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, and so three days later, I'm like, I need to go because I can't, I'm, I'm thrown up. I can't drive in a car. I can't walk for more than 10 minutes. And so then we started this whole process. Um, and so, you know, this is when the COVID era started. So like I, I was trying to get into all these doctors, all these specialists. Um, and thank goodness I knew somebody at the Metro Health Concussion Clinic that was able to get me in with the top doctor in the area. So I did this one specific type of uh, physical therapy, which is called vestibular therapy, more so for dizziness, balance, um, kind of just reconnecting. Because when you have a brain injury, your eyes are, are usually the first to go because your brain and your your eyes are connected. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I I felt better in a sense, but at the same time, I'm like, I just want to get out of here. I'll figure out the rest later. Um, and so as the year kind of went on, like I just kept progressing real, real fast. Um, you know, I couldn't go outside when it was sunny. Um, I was collapsing. Um, just kind of getting really lightheaded and like blacking out. Um, so all these things, nothing made sense. And so I started to kind of be like, do I need to go back? Do I need to start like looking into things? So I really started to just dive into a lot of different things, you know, right at this desk and uh, started to really look into the functional side of things. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I've been having gut issues. I, I can no longer eat certain foods. Like if I have a bowl of ice cream, like I am, I'm feeling like hungover for the next four days. I'm like, something's not right. So I started looking to all these, you know, brain gut connection. Okay. That sounds, that sounds cool. Like that sounds real. Like, okay. So I started to kind of pick up on some things. So I started taking notes and I went to the doctor to ask him all these questions because he was the, you know, the top specialist in the area. And, you know, he kind of like basically just shut me down. He was like, no, that can't be possible. That's, you know, the brain and the gut aren't connected. And he started to just like, basically just like tear up my stuff and like, all right, let's try and get you back on this medication. And I'm like, that's when I knew that this guy wasn't for me um because i'm like dude i'm sitting here trying to research my my butt off because i'm trying to get my life back so i'm like whatever i'm gonna do this rehab again and um i'll I'll, whatever happens happens but i'm gonna keep researching keep reading um and so this time when i did their um no three or four month recovery i got worse i got regressed and that's when they called me in to tell me like basically like i think you're faking it i think um, you know, you, you might just be all in your head, uh, you know, maybe you should just be a therapist and then basically just like, you probably just have to get used to this for the rest of your life. You know, and at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to show you, you know, for the next week. But like, after that, like when I started getting sick and, and I'm like, dude, maybe they were right. You know, maybe I'm, I'm beyond healing. And so at this point, you know, I've, I've lost like 40 pounds, you know, I'm still, I'm still just a shell of myself, really lost myself, you know, every single day I'm waking up with head pressure, head pain, nausea, confusion, um, you know, extreme depression because of just looking now, knowing like just the extreme toxins and neural inflammation, like I could not fight that physiology. There was nothing I could do to out positive myself. I couldn't out meditate that, mm-hmm. um, you know, different tools I picked up along the way, but, you know, I started to kind of look into things and, um, you know, I finally started to get, you know, some blood work done from a different doctor and started to realize that my test was at 202. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, so they put me on testosterone replacement therapy because, well, my brain couldn't produce it anymore from, from the damage that was done. So that had a nice little tick, felt better, but I started to regress again. So there's all these different pieces to the puzzle. Um, you know, then I started, you know, vision therapy. I started, I went to a different vestibular therapist. I started speech therapy because I, I, I started to have a hard time with with dialogue um you know and so all this time i'm sitting here trying to do all these tools and uh you know 
flash forward, I guess, to, you know, just, you know, my sixth doctor finally kind of came across, started testing things, realized I had um, an infection in the top of my, there's a thin layer in your brain, it's called the meninges, and there was an infection that was swelling there. Um, and if they wouldn't have found it, and if I wasn't in good health prior to this, I would have, they said I would have been just fatal. Um, not many people survive from it. And the fact that, you know, they finally found it, and then not to mention like all the gut issues I had, um, but, but it made sense. And it was kind of just like a breath of fresh air of like, okay, all the times that, you know, the doctor playing, like, it's, it's all in your head, it's all in your head. And like, you know, I started thinking, I'm like, dude, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going crazy. Um, and so we started to piece these things together, started to take these different, do this different protocol, take this nasal spray, um, and things just started to pick up rapidly. Um, you know, for, you know, my diet had totally changed for two years. Uh, you know, I haven't drank alcohol in over three and a half, like since it's kind of started. Um, I never, ever will go back because of the, the anger I, and for several different reasons, but, um, I felt drunk for so long. So I was like, why would I ever want to purposely make myself feel that way again? Not to mention yeah. just how bad alcohol is for the body. You know, no judgment for those. It's just, I am so deeply, not to mention just, you know, my, my family struggles with alcoholism. So I'm like, you know what? It just, it made sense to never even, it doesn't provide me any type of value anymore. Um, but yeah, so I, I had to really fight, crawl, dig for every bit. Um, and, you know, I said three and a half years, February 1st of this year was when I, all my conditions went remission and, you know, I started to get my life back and it was, it feels like a blink of an eye, but in the grand scheme of things, like it was a long time. And so it's like, you know, when people feel like they want to quit, they want to give in after, you know, like in different, obviously different sort of scenarios, of, but like, you know, it's been too much to try to do weight loss and you're ready to quit. I'm like, dude, I had the fight for three and a half years to get my damn life back. Like you, you, the only way you quit the only way you fail is if you quit there's no time to quit and that's when it's like you dig in keep going um but here i am able to talk to you not like you know dead to the world i can look at the screen for more than an hour and not feel dizzy or nauseous like it's little things that i kind of hid from the world that i you know i'm able to really just kind of start to share again um because it's a it's a lonely and painful journey but like i said man here i am you know i'm going strong yeah well, first, uh, I just want to say congratulations that you finally got through all of that. Three and a half years, that has to be so insane on just your mindset, your your will to just continue pushing through and just the fact that you came out on the other, other side. Like that's on, incredible that you were able to do that. Thank you. It truly means a lot because I know just talking to other people in the brain injury community, it's like you get tired of just saying it because, you know, one, people stop believing in you, you know, two, some of my own family members, like, you know, thought I was faking it. I'm like, when I would be able to go around you, I was so medicated to look alive and I put on a show and I hate being fake. I'm very raw. I'm very real with you. And so here I am expending all this energy for like, you know, an hour, whatever it might be. And then I'm like dead to the world, you know, for the next two days, because I just had to do all of this. But people were used to the nick of who I was, like up and going and funny and, you know, but at the same time, like I couldn't do certain things anymore. And so it's like, I got sick and tired of it. And so it's like, why, why, why would I even bother saying I don't feel well? And so, you know, for a lot of time, I just sat there and suffered. And so now to be able to say it and kind of look back and be like, you know, those that stuck around, like, I love you. Those that didn't, like, it is what it is. No hard feelings. I just won't forget. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating hearing how here's here's a doctor who's so specialized in what they do and you're bringing them new research and they're so stuck in their specific ways and that that becomes their identity that they don't realize, hey, there's new information out there and we can actually be doing a better job at taking care of people. It's it's sad because at the same time, it's like, they're not willing to learn the new information. And I wasn't I, I, like, he thought it was like, I was trying to one up him. I'm like, dude, like, I'm not trying to be Mr. Doctor. I'm just trying to show you the information I found. As I was looking at the research, it was like, you know, the, the bar was so low of like, I think it was like yearly concussion um, research studies and it was so low. But then when it got to 2017 and 2018, it skyrocketed. And ever since then, like, you know, you even see all the time now with concussion protocol with the NFL, like any hit, all of a sudden, like they're taken out immediately. That mm -hmm. didn't happen 
five, six years ago. They would just get run, they get their bell rung and they'd just kind of be like, get back up. And so now it's been so much at the forefront. And so when I'm finding all this stuff out, I'm like, dude, I am connecting all these dots. I cannot wait to ask him. And when he starts to say that it's not real and that I just need to, you know, look into this new medication, it's like, this is what's wrong with the Western medicine that I start to explain how I'm feeling. You know, usually with a lot of doctors, they didn't validate it and they didn't understand it, which, you know, was, wouldn't make me not want to say anything, but they just start to put you in this algorithm of like, oh, okay, you have this symptom, this symptom, I'll give you this medication. And so here I was, they basically just drug me alive. You know, they put me on Adderall, which is an amphetamine, just to basically be like, oh, here you go. Light your nervous system on fire, light your brain on fire, just so that you can pretend to be alive. But at the same time, it was destroying my brain. It was uh, in making my, you know, I developed a brain and autoimmune condition that disrupted my nervous system. So it was basically just shaking my nervous system all the time, but I didn't know any better. I just wanted to feel alive and, you know, like if I can only operate at 20%, well, I was going to be 20% and that was going to be my hundred percent for the day. But like, you know, coming off that, I'm like, man, I can't believe what it is. And it's like, you know, certain people and with everything going on in the world, I'm like, we are very capable of healing and finding different alternative ways. Um, even if it's weird, even if it sounds woo woo, but at the same time, it's like we can take control, full ownership of our health if we decide, if we decide to look into different things instead of following the mainstream, following, you know, our favorite influencers advice, whatever it might be. But like we are so capable of much more with natural resources than we have. Um, you know, I think we'll look back at this period of time and be like, we should have probably done this certain things the natural way, more holistic way, rather than just going for the quick fix band-aid that's just not going to really solve the deep-rooted issue. Mm -hmm. So before I ask you questions about how that process went and the things that people could do, I wanted to ask you, when it came to essentially people not believing you and people turning their backs on you, who was your support system and how important was that for you on this healing journey? It was very difficult. Um, and, you know, not to mention it was like the COVID era. So like there was really just not a lot of um, you know, people coming in and out. So it was even more isolating because I'm somebody that needs to be around people. I'm somebody that gets energy. I'm very extroverted. And so it's like the way I was feeling, I was just so isolated. And so like, you know, if, if I wasn't able to go to different family events because I wasn't feeling well and I hated to say, Hey, guess what? I can't come because I'm not feeling well, but they didn't really see what not feeling well, Nick looked like. So they couldn't really put a word to it. And so if my wife would go and, you know, she come back and she'd hear rumblings about you know after a while people saying things that you know you just sit there and like you really just start to not believe in yourself um and so you know obviously she was number one support and um you know i started to be like dude i need to find people that have gone through what i've gone through like i i, I feel so alone and you know i started going to different communities started to uh, connect with people that, that i've always been connected with on instagram i'm like oh my gosh um and so I started just talking, going to these different like Zoom stuff, Facebook groups. And I'm like, man, we all feel the same way. Um, and so, you know, I think whatever somebody might be going through in all different areas, you feel so alone. You feel so, like nobody has ever gone through it before. But there is always somebody 99.999% of the time that has gone through something similar to what you have gone through. And mm -hmm. so if you're able to kind of see it, see that they got to the path. Like I remember I picked up a book. It was like 101 brain injury or traumatic brain injury survivor stories, um, like overcoming brain injury. So I started just to be like, this person did it, this person did it, this person did it. I'm like, I can freaking do this, man. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm going to find a way. And so, so like I had to force myself into different communities. Otherwise, like I, it was, you know, it was hard. Just I couldn't really go out <laughs> to like see people because I felt awful. Sometimes, you know, people would come, but it wasn't wasn't often because of just, like I said, the whole COVID thing. And then, like, I really just didn't have energy. Like, who wants to come and hang around with, you know, sick Nick? You know, and so it was kind of just like up and down, just demoralizing. But, you know, it was my wife and just the people that I, I had to go find. It was just the group of people that were just like me, suffering the same thing, having the same different issues with, you know, family, with doctors, with the whole nine. And it was like, this is just feels really good it's not a, it's not a sulk fest it's not a sorry fest it was just able to kind of bounce ideas off kind of connect at a deeper level somebody that just has the same 
just gash of pain and that we're just all trying to heal each other. Mm -hmm. So going through your research and through these communities of people who dealt with similar things, what actionable tips did you find out actually helped you through this process outside of the medication that the doctors were giving you? Yeah, well, you know, it turns out the medications weren't doing very well um, in the long grand scheme of things, but I'm like, okay, I'm like, here I am, Mr. Nutrition, personal trainer, like, think, think for a second, it was very hard to think, believe it or not. Um, I'm like, so I had to start doing a lot of different um, nutrition protocols. So I started this autoimmune paleo diet. And so, you know, at the end of the day, now knowing just how awful my gut was, um, you know, I couldn't really digest the nutrients that needed, which then couldn't go to my brain to kind of help it repair. So it was just a two-way street when, you know, your brain and your gut are intimately connected. So our constant communication, if one's in disarray, the other one's most likely going to be in disarray. So nutrition is always going to be number one. Your nutrition, you know, your brain is the most metabolically active organ there is. It consumes 20%, 20 to 25% of the calories you use. So it's like, if you aren't, if you're feeding your brain crap, you will digest and feel like crap. That's why, like, why, you know, if you're having, say, you know, you're eating pretty healthy throughout the week, then all of a sudden on the weekend, you know, you're like, all right, I'm going to go to get some McDonald's breakfast. I'm going to have, you know, some fried food. Next thing you know, you're like, man, I, I just don't feel good. I got like brain fog. My, you know, my, it's because your, your gut was like, yo, what the hell was that? And now it, it feels awful. So it's like nutrition is going to, it's, it's one of the biggest keys in, in, in tools that we have readily available, even though, you know, it's pushed everywhere else, just how, you know, here's, here's the free thing with this, rip this box open, have this quick fix of, of a meal. Nutrition is one of the biggest tools for healing. Um, and so it was like, that was a big thing. Hydration. Um, obviously I couldn't work out as I normally did. I went from working out four to five times a week to in 2020, I worked out, I think eight times the following year, it was 12 times. The next year I finally started to get my life back. It was like 50 times. And now I can't even count how many times it's been. But kind of any movement, any movement is always going to kickstart you in the right direction. We have these things called our legs. Most, you know, oh, hopefully everybody that can use their legs can get out, move, go for a walk. It's the most readily accessible form of exercise. And, you know, especially getting outside and getting sunlight, getting that vitamin, free vitamin D. It's like, the in, not to mention something I really struggled with just because of, of all the brain issues was sleep. Um, just another thing like we take for granted. We live yep. in such a hustle culture that it's like, if, if you aren't recharging your brain and giving your brain an opportunity to rest, recharge, take a shower and compartmentalize everything that happened that day, like you, you're going to end up feeling worse. So it's like, if you're staying up late, doom scrolling, um, you know, just being like, oh, I just can't fall asleep, but you're in your bed on your phone and don't get me wrong. I've been there, but I've definitely learned my lesson over time um, because now past you is is beating up future you and future you that's waking up you know tired you got a headache you didn't sleep well future you can't get back at past you because you just did what you did and so what are you going to do the same thing again at the following day and so if you do that cycle you're already looking at some freaking awful nights of sleep which then translates into all different types of health issues so when it comes down to it you have to establish the foundation when you have a house and you're trying to you know put all the nice things in it. You want to get a basketball hoop, an in-ground pool. You want to make sure you have the nicest TV. But at the first storm, if if the wind comes and the storm comes and it blows your house down because your foundation sucks, but you wanted it to look pretty, it won't freaking matter because now you'll be searching for a new house. It's the same thing with your nutrition, your body. You only get one body. It's not a, it's not a used car. You can't go ahead and turn it in. You get one. And so the biggest things are nutrition, hydration, movement, I like meditation because that was a huge thing for me in my recovery process. Um, and then also I said, yeah, movement, nutrition, meditation, rest recovery with sleep, um, not to mention the other things um, and hydration. I mean, it's, it's literally the stuff that can be repeated over and over again, the boring basics, but time and time again, they are the foundation. And if you aren't established foundation, you're looking elsewhere, you're going to be going in cycle. So stick with the foundation, build the foundation and stay true to it. And I guarantee things will start to progress. And this doesn't have to be even just be from a brain injury. This is just life in general. Mm -hmm. When you were working on your nutrition, do you feel like there was a diet that worked better than the rest? 
or is it just ensuring that you get that healthy food in you? So at the time I had to do this autoimmune paleo strict diet because of my gut issues, but then also just because of my autoimmune condition. So I was very strict um, with like, I, I was only eating, I didn't even eat rice. It was like, I had like sweet potatoes with every meal. Um, I couldn't eat any nightshades. Um, I still can't, I have uh, an immune reaction to it. So like no pasta sauce, no eggplants, anything like that. Um, but like when I, what I noticed as I'm eating this, it was definitely lower carb, but I really wasn't, I w- wasn't weighing or anything. I'm like, I just need to eat this food. I need to stay away from anything that is heavily processed, nothing in the pantry. Like, because I knew if I ate something, I was going to feel awful and not just like, feel like, Oh, I got a little brain fog. Like I, it was going to really cause an, an intense reaction inside of my body. So I had to, it wasn't, it was no longer like, Oh, I'm cheating on my diet. Like, no, I'm like, if I do this, like you're, you're hurting your recovery process. You're hurting your family. And so it became that intense. And so, you know, the AIP diet was the first diet, like I really officially did because I had to, because of the situation and the circumstance. And so I still eat similar to that, but now that my gut is healed, my brain is healed, I can have, you know, double stuffed gluten-free Oreos, um, you know, because now everything is gluten-free. Gluten is super bad for the brain and the gut. Even, you know, the research says that all the people want to say, oh no, you can have gluten. And that's fine. Like I, people want to, but I also developed celiac disease from my injury, which made sense of why, you know, I was starting to have these intense reactions. So, um, you know, now I can have a gluten-free double stuff Oreo that's in the pantry without being like, oh my gosh, I, I just had sugar. Like what's going to happen? Like now my body has definitely progressed. So I knew the things in protocols that I had had worked. Um, and so now it's really just sticking to the whole, whole foods, um, just minimizing, you know, what I tell my clients, it's like, are you, you know, 80% nutrient dense foods, 20% can be your fun foods. Um, so like, you know, the, sticking with the basics, but you know, I keep everything simple, um, all meals and snacks centered around protein. And, um, you know, now, now it's, you know, I, I don't think your diet ever needs a name. Mine just what needed a name because it was what it was for the protocol I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's just, it's, everything is just lifestyle. And that's what I'm trying not to just, you know, especially for my clients. Well, it's like, you know, when you assign your name to a diet, then all of a sudden it feels wrong because then it's like, oh, this is only temporary. You know, this is where you need to, you know, fully make it a lifestyle change. So it's like you can adjust. There's always going to be seasons of life when it comes. You're going to be going out. People are going to invite you out. You're going to have people over. It's like, what are you going to do? Pack your meals? Like, um, but I had to do that when I, if I, you know, when I started to get better, I'm like, well, I can't cook this and I can't have that. And so I'm like, dude, I don't even like saying this, like, I'm going to be that weird dude that's bringing us stuff, but now it's much different. Um, but yeah, that's really just the one that really, really helped kickstart um, a different type of healing, uh, you know, because we already eat pretty well here, but this had to be super strict. Mm-hmm. So we're coming into the new year where everyone is setting these health goals. Hey, I need to go to the gym. I need to lose weight. I want to have a healthy lifestyle. But all the excuses tend to come out too after one week, two weeks after that first month where a majority of the people start quitting. What can people do to ensure they actually stick to being healthy? Like what tips or small foundational things can they do that will actually help them sustain that and keep to that for the full year that they make this resolution for? Yeah, and see, this is where consistency beats intensity 100% of the time. So, you know, when somebody starts off and they want to start, you know, I'll do it. I'll start training five days a week. I'll be going six. I can even go six days a week. And so they'll do that for the first two weeks, but then they'll fizzle out because at the, at the end of the day, when it comes to diet, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to anything, it's like, if you can envision yourself doing this for life, that is what matters most. So if you can be real with yourself. And so, you know, when people I start having these uh, consultation calls, it's like, okay, I can train like five days a week. I'm like, can you do that for, for three to four months? Let's start with four days. We'll break down, keep it easy. But, you know, because the way you can build self-trust, self-love, self-respect, self-esteem is by staying true to your word. You have got to stay true to your word and stay true to you. Because if you start to, you know, subconsciously lie to yourself, your brain's going to be like, yep, see, I told you, you're a failure. You couldn't do it. And so it starts to predict the future because your brain is essentially a, pre- a prediction machine. So if you're continuing to not show up, you're you're not you're hitting snooze on your alarm, you're not showing up to the gym, 
all of a sudden you're you're reaffirming to your brain that you aren't the person you say you were going to do. You're not doing the things that you said you were going to do. So you have got to be reasonable and real. So if you're starting January 1, which I always say you should start now. You start building the foundation now. Mm-hmm. You want to start going? You want to start going three days a week. Beautiful. Let's make sure we, we, we start that. Let's start a step goal so that we are getting more movement. Let's find different air times of the day that we can make sure that we are walking. Not just because... You know, somebody said, yeah, I need to get my steps in, but like for your mental health, your brain health, your heart health, getting up and moving. You know, we sit at our desk now all the time because, you know, a lot of us are remote because of the change in the world. It's like, but you aren't able to get up and even just take a five to 10 minute break to clear your mind, get some more blood flow to your brain because, you know, you have to quote unquote be tied to your desk. So it's like, okay, like if I can start training, be consistent, be real with myself. I start a step goal, you know, maybe it's 8,000 steps a day. I start drinking, you know, 80 to 100 ounces of water. If I'm a doom scroller, I'm going to set a timer. I tell my clients, I'm like, you can set a timer from 830 till nine o'clock. I want you to scroll as hard as you freaking can. When nine o'clock hits, you stop, put the phone down, and you start your your bedtime routine. Go ahead, you go wash your face, brush your teeth, do whatever other face wash you got to do. Then you can, you know, maybe even read a little bit if this is something you like, journal, visualization, whatever it might be for the person. And then you can allow your body to get ready to rest Um, because that way you can now start to recover. You can start to feel better in the morning so that when you are getting up, you know, maybe you're a morning, you're training in the morning. Now you can get up without feeling awful. You know, not every day is going to be perfect, but if you can set yourself up for success and establish that foundation when it comes to movement your meals your sleep your mindfulness then all of a sudden you can really be like here i am um but i think something that can be good is like just setting a calendar of like okay if i have january and i'm writing it down you start putting checks on the days that you did the things you need to do on your daily principles whatever it might be you know steps water hitting your your numbers when it comes to nutrition your workouts you put a check mark boom next day x check mark check mark x you start stacking the wins stacking the weeks then you start to reaffirm, like, I can do this, not just January, but February. Start building that momentum, like, okay, I established my routine, my my schedule, and I'm being real with myself, but I'm also pushing myself. Um, and so it's like more people try and over-pursue something that they're not going to be able to do for the rest of their life. So it's like, it's not starting small, it's just starting real um, and being real with yourself, but then just following through with your commitment, staying true to your word, because then ultimately that's going to build that self-trust, self-love, self-esteem, and you're, you know, by June, you're going to be somebody you never thought you could be, but that's just because you have now built that throughout that time. How can people hold themselves accountable to these commitments, these daily principles that they're making? The easiest thing to do is have somebody be an accountability partner. And that's, you know, why people hire coaches. Um, because at the end of the day, if, if, if you know that, you're going to be holding yourself accountable. You won't because you can easily as many times, even myself have been like, yeah, you say you're going to do that and you don't do it. And then, so what, like who's nobody's going to come get me. Like, you know, maybe I get in trouble or something, but at the same time, it's like only I knew I didn't stay true to my word. Like I hit snooze the, you know, the next morning, like nobody's going to know, but like, it's still me. And so it's like, if I say, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to get, um, you know, this, your training program to you and you know or you know if, say if i'm a client and, and coach like yeah i'm gonna get my check-in i'm gonna get my make sure all my my, my data sheets are you know submitted then i have somebody that's going to be like oh they're checking in they're seeing my workouts seeing that i am working out you have somebody that you invested with that you have skin in the game that you know is going to help keep you accountable because they care um and they're going to push you out of your comfort zone because you you want to um but more people want to play you know kind of small ball and be like, no, I can do this myself. I can figure it out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, anybody can Google diets. Anybody can Google how to track. Anybody can Google a workout. It's not an, it's not an information problem. It's an implementation problem. And that's where it's like, you, somebody needs that accountability to have. Um, even if it's, you know, not even a coach, but like a friend, you have a gym partner, you have somebody you go to the gym with or somebody, one of your good friends, like you need somebody always to help keep you accountable because you feel awful when you let, somebody else down you're like dang you know that's like hey yo sorry matt like you know that's on me and now i really feel that and so that the next time if something happens like i'm making sure i go all out for you and so that's the that's the thing when it comes to like why people like group classes or they you know 
they have training partners because all of a sudden you have that camaraderie. You have that more motivation to be like, I'm not letting you down. You don't let me down. We're in this for the long haul. Um, but having somebody hold you accountable is the easiest, most fast-tracked way to make sure that you get to where you want to be. I love it. And it's so important not just to take that information, but as you're gathering this information, you have to take action too. And that's what that accountability partner is there for. That's the hardest thing. It's like, oh, okay, like I'm going to wait till I get maybe get motivated. And if you wait to get motivated, I'll be sitting around a long time. Yeah. Because you have, you have to act your way into thinking, not think your way into acting, because otherwise you're going to be spinning your wheels for a long time. I can sit down here all day and try and get motivated. And then what, you know, like nothing's going to come hit me. I have to, I have to act my way into it. All of a sudden, then I kind of start to see things are rolling. Then I start to feel good. Then I, I, I see a little results of the things that I wanted to do. Now I have that spark of motivation, very small, not feel good. I can use that to propel me forward, but it is not my engine. It is not my fire. That's going to be, you know, a blaze. And that's why it's like, you just need to take action, messy action and continue to show up um, because Ultimately, if you've been haven't been training for 40 years and all of a sudden they're trying to get up in the morning, your your subconscious can be like, yo, I'm comfortable in my bed. Like you should stay here. Like, you don't, what are you doing getting up like this? Like, this is a very unfamiliar territory. Now your nervous system's like super confused. Like, why would you do this to me? I'm I'm trying to be comfortable. And so you have to battle those barriers and those boundaries, and you have to continue to what we just talked about, staying true to your word and following through so that you can break down those barriers and now rebuild your own with a, the directions you want to go. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that quote says uh, it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. <laughs> I love it. So now that we're getting to the end of the podcast, I have three questions, which I ask all guests. However, I will state, I changed that last question. So you're going to be the first person to answer this last question. So I'm excited to hear what your answer is for that. Love it. So this first question, so the each question is based off of the podcast title, Live, Love, and Grow. So the first question is, what advice can you share about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world? A really good question. Um, and so the advice I would give somebody that really wants to make an impact on the world is you have to decide that it's no longer about you. Like if you want to be a selfless person, and you really want to provide impact because I know a lot of coaches that say they want to impact people, but they really just want to fill their pockets and try and just be a transaction. When you actually care about somebody or care about a certain mission or whatever that might be, and you decide to be selfless in the things, in the acts, whatever it is that you might do, you will reap the rewards of whatever it might be. I don't know when it's going to come, but like that is when true fulfillment happens. And you know, when you live with something that is bigger than you and you go after something in mission, like I said, that's bigger than you, that is when you can really stand and leave a, a life um, just of, of purpose, of meaningful, and just of creating that legacy. Uh, I, I think, you know, oftentimes everybody's searching, searching, searching for, you know, whatever they're living for. It's like, you just have to keep going. I guarantee the more you keep putting a positive step forward, just taking one step forward to whatever it might be, your your door is going to open. Um, but you have to provide, serve. And I think we're, as human beings, we're meant to serve others. Um, not everybody gets that sense of fulfillment. I do it, in my opinion, when I help and serve somebody else. Um, and, you know, if you really want to make an impact, you you have to find a bigger mission and you have to fight like hell every day to follow through with that mission. That's a great answer. I love that. Uh, my second question, what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love? Going back to what I just said, I, I tell my clients all the time, if you really want to practice self-love, you have got to stay true to your word. You have got to follow through with the things that you said you were going to do. And that's you know where I can come in and be help you keep accountable. If you say you're going to meditate every morning, if you say you're going to, you know, I want to try and hop in the ice bath, like all these try, 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 you know, I think Yoda's still behind me. Do or do not, there is no try. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like you have, your language is just the hammer that shapes and cracks each and everything that creates your reality. So if you are aware of your language and you start to, be like, I am going to do this. I am going to train today. I am going to eat healthy. 
you start to rewire and form new neural pathways in your brain that is starting to reaffirm and start to kind of erase the old past you. You know, we're always looking to level up to that level 2.0. But what ultimately does that mean? It's like I'm, you need to clearly define who it is you want to become. Um, and so the best way you can do that and then, you know, getting back to cultivating that self-love is like slowly but surely finding ways to build momentum in the morning early to start today to follow be like i you know i woke up i drank water before my coffee i made breakfast i meditated i journaled i went for a walk took the dog out all these different things that's like you know you can make say like you made six wins right there and so that starts to build that self-love and the self-confidence but at the end of the day it's like if you don't define with who you want to become you can't say like oh i feel bad because i gained weight i feel bad because i didn't meet you know the love of my life but it's like you didn't clearly define that's what you wanted Otherwise, your brain is not going to know what to look for. It doesn't know what direction to go. And so if you really want to cultivate self-love, self-trust, self-esteem, you have got to define what it is. But then you also have to follow and stay true to your word, to yourself, um, because nobody else can make you love yourself. You ultimately live with this body for as long as I will live. And when I go to bed at night, I'm the last voice I hear, usually, unless my kids wake <laughs> me up. But i'm talking to me all the time so it's like i have got to like myself and i lost i started to hate myself so much when i was sick because i didn't know who i was anymore and i really lost myself and i and i i tried to find myself for so long but i really started to realize that i just have to create a new nick and that's what healthy nick became of who i wanted to become what actions i needed to take to be in alignment with who i said i wanted to become and no matter how sick i felt i knew i needed to just take one small step a day, one small step a day. And I started to re kind of rebuild that self-love and the self-trust and self-esteem. And I realized that I was no longer chasing who I was because I wanted to be, become something greater. And that's ultimately what I knew. And so if you want to build self-love, better hold your, hold your word true to yourself. Awesome. And last question, what is one actionable tip someone can do today to grow 1% better? It's always a great question because growing 1% better is the ultimate goal. Um, and I think more so people try to, like I talked about before, try to overreach, try to go 5%, try to get greedy. I'm like, calm down now. You go, you take 1% better in whatever area that might be. And so kind of even what I just talked about, it's like, you need to clearly define what that looks like for you. Is If 1% better is saying hi to you know five new people at work that's your one percent better if it's today i'm going to make sure that i have i'm going to prepare uh five days worth of meals this week boom that's my one percent better but clearly, clearly define what that means to you and then continue to you know one of the core values is like do the right thing the more that you do the right thing and you stay true to yourself and you serve others and what I talked about, it's like you can slowly move the needle. And I think we try to we try to expedite the timeline so fast because of the because of what we see on social media, because of you know what people try and say they're doing, quote unquote. But it's like you, you're you're comparing yourself to something that might not even be real, or it's like somebody's chapter twenty seven. Like if somebody's a, a, a uh, you know, I can't sit here and be like, oh man really wish you know lebron i was lebron because you know but i'm like dude I, I i didn't make to the college basketball or nba or anything like that it's like i can't compare you can't compare yourself to his lifestyle mm -hmm. but if you can compare yourself to yourself and you can be like if i can get better than i was yesterday if i can take the lessons that i learned from yesterday because lessons are only repeated until they're learned take the knowledge the skills the resources whatever it might be from the lessons and you begin to reflect on what happened the previous day and you start to slowly grow that over time that is the compound effect that will go in the right direction when you lack reflection when you don't take anybody's feedback when you start to think everything's this is just going to how be my life's going to be you're not looking to get better zero percent is zero percent you either stay you either get better or you get worse there's no flat line when it comes to that um so i just think like okay if my goal you know, this week, my focus is on nutrition. Okay, I'm going to make sure I really focus just one small, maybe it's one small step. Maybe it's, I'm, I eat protein this week. 
or this week I'm going to drink 100 ounces of water. All those little things will add up. And so, you know, don't try and move the needle too fast because you'll break and you'll, you'll revert back. And so slowly but surely, stack their wins early, stack them slow, and just take it as you go. Um, because 1% is the goal. And don't get greedy because you will fall, you will burn, and you will crash. Mm-hmm. How can people connect with you? Easiest way, uh, I'm most active on Instagram, at NeuroFitNick. Um, it's the easiest way. Um, my messages are always open. I'm always open for communication, dialogue, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, that's the easiest way to find me. And how can people support you? People can support me by asking me anything. Um, because like I said before, man, I love to serve. If somebody has a question, somebody has wants to just you know, shout out, say hi, you need a hug, you need a high five, you need a kick in the butt, you name it. Um, what I really like is just when people, you know, just ask a question, they feel comfortable, they feel vulnerable to be like, I'm I'm extending the hand to ask a question because it's the hardest thing to do. Um, I think especially as men, we we think we're supposed to have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why would I ask another dude or why would I ask somebody else uh, a question? I can just, I could just Google it. But it's like, you know, I, I look back, I'm like, dude, the brotherhood that we had when we played like sports and stuff, it's like, that's that's the stuff I remember forever. Like those friendships through battle, through war, you know, not legit war, but like, you know, that that was the when you're in the trenches of just fighting, crawling and having that bigger mission. And so when it comes to just support, like if, if there's anything I can ever do for anybody, um, that's what I'm always here for, no matter how big, no matter how small. Um, I love to serve and that's what I'm going to continue to do. Awesome. Well, Nick, I just want to thank you for your time being here on this podcast. And once again, congratulations on finally getting through an incredible journey of just trial after trial, but you made it through on the other side. And I'm just so happy to see you here on this podcast and you continuing to grow each and every day. Thanks, man. I truly appreciate you having me here and just allow me to share my story. Um, like I said, hopefully I can just help one person that That's what matters most. Um, It was awesome to finally connect. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget to live, love, and grow to be the best version of you. Oh, and one more thing. If you or a young man that you know suffer from victim mindset or are not reaching their fullest potential, then visit mattfindora.com to see how we can work together to become the best version of ourselves. That's mattfindora.com. The link will be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and have an outstanding day.